Welcome to Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper, Assistant Pastor at North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. This broadcast will challenge and encourage God's people to seek revival. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to Striving for Revival. Welcome to the Striving for Revival radio broadcast. This is Pastor Justin Cooper coming today from the KNVBC studio at the North Valley Baptist Church here in Santa Clara, California. My, what a privilege it is to have you join me for the broadcast today. And what an honor is mine to take the King James Bible and to share with you some eternal truth from the very Word of God. Today, I'm excited as we continue our study in Romans chapter number two. And we have one study under our belt, and this will be our second broadcast, second Bible study in Romans chapter number two. Now, if you've missed any of our Roman studies or any other book studies, you can go to wherever you you find your other podcasts that you listen to and subscribe to ours. It's totally free. You just go to wherever you find podcasts, type in Striving for Revival, and subscribe. When you do, that gives you access to every archived Bible study, and that way you can listen and re-listen. If you miss one, you go back, and that way you don't ever have to miss a thing as we study our Bible together. I always emphasize every day, be in your Bible, do these three things. Read your Bible, pray and witness every day. If you'll do those three things every day, I tell you this, you'll stay close to God. It'll help you grow. It'll strengthen your walk. It'll keep you on straight street, if you will, uh, when it comes to your spiritual life. And that's what we want, and that's what we desire. So do those things. Live in your Bible, spend time in prayer, and witness every single day. Now, the book of Romans... It's a very important book. It's an important book for the believer. It's where we get our foundation for New Testament uh, doctrine, a new uh, church age doctrine. It's a book of systematic theology. It explains the righteousness of God, what it is, where it's from, and how to get it. The theme is faith, and the book of Romans is written in a very doctrinal way, yet a very practical way. Romans chapter number one dealt with the degradation, the digression, the downfall of the Gentile world. Man is not getting better. Man is waxing worse. Sin does not improve prove sin tears down and we find that evidenced in Romans chapter number one in Romans 1 we read about a generation that rejected God rebelled against God and in so doing merited the wrath of God this crowd de-evolved and it happened by forgetting God forsaking God fabricating gods in their own image and God gave them up God turned them over. They de-evolved religiously. Then that led to degenerated morals, just total depravity, darkened minds, the Bible says, reprobate minds. And then all of the sin from verse number 29 down through verse number 32, all of that is a result of man's rebellion against God's righteousness. The gospel in verse number 16 and 17, reveals the righteousness of God, but man rejects it by and large. And in so doing, society gets more sinful. It does not advance. It does not go forward. It always goes backward. Romans chapter 1 is a good type or parallel to the prodigal son of Luke 15 that left the father's house, found himself in a far country, and forfeited all the blessings of the father and was empty, wanting, eating husks with the swine, wallowing in the mire of the pigsty, and wasted his substance there with riotous living. But Romans chapter number two deals with 
what would be a good parallel to the elder brother of Luke 15. The man never left the father's house. He never left the father's table, but he wasn't right in his heart. His sin was not outward. His sin wasn't making headlines, but his sin was just as much sin regardless. Romans 2, we find a conceited, calloused, critical, contemptuous, religious crowd. Romans 1 dealt with sinners, obviously lost, unregenerated man. Romans 2 deals with sinners, but religious man. Romans 1 is the Gentile. Romans 2 deals with the Jew and their attitude toward the Gentile. Now, last broadcast, we talked about verse 1, and we read verse 2, and I'll elaborate more on that today as we go down through at least verse number 5. Here the Bible says in verse 1, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same things. It doesn't say that you're apt to do or you're able to do. It says you do the same things. And it says just as though, just like you're judging that crowd, God is judging you. In verse 2, but we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. What that means is such things as was listed in chapter 1. We're talking about murder, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, envy, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, and so on and so on the list goes. But here's the issue of chapter 2. The issue of chapter 2 is not to... Uh, unashamed of sin, but rather covering sin. And here's what we learn. The flesh excuses personal sin, but it loves to expose the sins of others. I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with my sin as much as I have a problem with your sin. Isn't that the truth? It's amazing how we'll wink at our wickedness and condemn the wickedness we see in somebody else's life. But can I say, you who judgest another, you're judged by the very same God, by the very same Word of God, and in for doing the very same things. Verse 3, And thinkest thou this, O man that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? God judges those who despise His light, and those who despise his long-suffering. Every man is responsible for his own attitude toward God and his own actions in accordance to what God has said in his word. Every man has self-accountability. Verse 4, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Now, this is pretty stout preaching. God's goodness, we find the purpose of it to lead us to repentance. But then the penalty when you reject the goodness of God is the wrath of God, the judgment of God. I want to revisit what I said a minute ago. Every man is responsible for his own attitude toward God and his own actions in response to the light of God's word. I will answer for me and you will answer for you. Now we live in a day where just as a society, we're adamantly opposed 
to self-accountability. Nobody wants to answer for their own transgression. Nobody wants to answer for their own debt. Nobody wants to answer for their own lawlessness. Everybody has an excuse. Everybody wants to play the victim. Everybody wants to say it's somebody else's fault. Nobody wants to take accountability. We see that from crowds marching in our streets. We see that in the courtrooms of America. We see that evidenced in the speeches on the stump by the politician. I mean, it's just out there. There is no... Nobody wants to pay their own debt. Nobody wants to pay for their own health care. Nobody wants to have to pay uh, their rent. Nobody wants to have accountability for actions or attitude. But with God... It doesn't matter what you want. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter if you think it's woke or broke. It doesn't matter. You have accountability for your own attitude, and you have accountability for your own actions in response to God and the Word of God. Paul points out God's judgment will fall against anyone who is guilty of all the sins written in chapter 1. He gives them two rhetorical questions. Uh, He said, do you think that you can criticize folks who do those things and do them yourself and get away with it? Of course not. Second question, you despise or do you despise the riches of God's goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering? Don't you know the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? The reason God's good to you, the just and the unjust, is he wants you to realize the devil is a devil. God is a loving heavenly father. And why in the world, if God is so good and the devil's so bad, would you want to live for him and not get right with God? So lead us to repentance. God makes us feel sorry for our sin. Do you despise it? Do you look down on it? Do you look down on other people? He's talking to these Jews. Do you have prejudice and despise those Gentiles? You say, oh, look at them Gentile dogs out there living like filth, wallowing the mire of the world, and yet you're so full of yourself and wrapped up in your own righteousness, concealing your own sin, a whited sepulcher full of dead man's bones. You're no more right with God than they are. Oh, Christian, you and I have got to be careful. It's fun. It's easy to preach against the sins of society. But revival comes when I deal with the sin in the saint, the sin in myself, the sin that lives in my own heart. In verse number five, but after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest up thyself wrath against the day of wrath. Uh, That's a deposit you don't want to make. This whole chapter is going to deal with the sin of self-righteousness, the sin or rebellion in the heart of the religious crowd. I don't want you to miss a single study. I think it's important for us to get this chapter down. Until next time, pray for revival. Thank you for joining us today for Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper, Assistant Pastor at North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. Listen at this time every weekday as we strive for revival.